Welcome to the What About series where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easily digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the What About series. Today we're going to be talking about PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. So, kind of a can be a heavy topic and it's a it's a disorder that affects a lot of people. So, yeah. It's the only anxiety disorder and yes, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's an anxiety disorder that actually is is a uh, created through an outside stimulus. Oh, so yes. Yeah, kind of so. interesting there. Yeah, that are anxiety disorders is typically so, in, inside yeah, internal more internal, conflict. Yeah. And then PTSD is the only one that's created by that main trauma, that <laughs> the, um, the main... The stuff we're going to be learning about today. thing that starts, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so maybe you, you have a loved one that suffers from PTSD. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. And you just want to know what it's all about. And so that's what we're about here on what about <laughs> therapy I think, I think also it can be thrown around lightly yeah the term ptsd because yeah, i know ptsd yeah i've used that a lot i try not to because i mean those that really do struggle mm-hmm. with ptsd it's it's no joke but we yeah tend to kind of throw it around like when you know we have a memory come up you're like oh my gosh it gives me ptsd of like high school or something and yeah sure that could be a ptsd uh could, like a tidbit i don't know like really a small a symptom but yeah an experience kind of like PTSD, but it's not. Yeah. And so yeah, just be aware of that is most of the time when someone says, Oh man, that gave me PTSD. Like probably not. Yeah. It's like the same thing with most of it. it's like people will say, Oh man, I'm so OCD about this or that. Yeah. But if they yeah. really had OCD, they would, they wouldn't be like, cause people who really have OCD are just, they have a really hard time. Same thing with bipolar. Like oh, I'm so bipolar. Like then right. there's people who actually have bipolar that they yeah. suffer a lot. And so, I mean, if you do that, I do it too. We all do it. It's just one yeah. of those things that shouldn't be taken very lightly because it is a very serious thing, especially for people who've experienced some really heavy traumas right. and because um, it can affect every aspect of your life when you struggle with this. So as always, we have the same framework for every episode, a summary with summary symptoms, risk factors, diagnosis, and treatment. And we're going to get right into the summary here. So this just comes from an article, and all the articles we're pulling from, we're always full disclosure, we'll put them at the bottom of the show notes or description. Yep, we link down below. And you can go through them, read through them yourself. Great resources if you want to learn more. So first one here, direct from the article, says the post-traumatic stress disorder, this is actually from WebMD, I, I believe. But yeah, post-traumatic stress disorder, once called shell, so- shell shock, boy, or battle fatigue syndrome, is a serious condition that can develop after a person has experienced or witnessed a traumatic or terrifying event in which there were serious physical harm or threat. PTSD is a lasting consequence of traumatic ordeals that cause intense fear, helplessness, or horror. Examples of things that, that bring on PTSD include sexual or physical assault, the unexpected death of a loved one, an accident, war, or natural disaster. Families of victims can develop PTSD, as can emergency personnel and rescue workers. So, summarizing that up into a bite-sized fashion, PTSD is basically reliving past traumatic events that happen to you as if they are currently happening in the moment. So the symptoms and all the things that, when you think of PTSD, it's basically you've experienced something in the past, whether that be abuse or it's very common amongst veterans that have been to Mm -hmm. war and things like that. Um, It can get set off through different reasons and 
but you basically relive the traumatic event, just sitting down, laying in bed. You experience these symptoms that you experienced at that moment. Feel the same feelings you felt during the trauma yeah. for no reason at all, seemingly, and at random times. Yeah, and those are some of the, some of the symptoms, well, the, these symptoms we're going to talk about here later in this episode. And if you can hear little thumps and little noises here and there, that's that's Zuko running around just being the wild animal that being he is. Being a dog, literally just being a dog. Yeah, he's wild. Like right now he's just chewing a ball. Like What a life. What a to life. To be a dog. To be a dog. So to move on here, there are four ways to develop PTSD, like four main ways. I'm sure there are little, little branches, but these are the four main categories. If you've experienced some of these or uh, just four ways, four experiences that you can have that can give you PTSD. So the first one is through direct experience. So something directly happening to you. And this one is also very common with, you know, like war veterans or... Uh, victims of rape, things of that nature, um, they'll develop PTSD. Not always, but they can develop PTSD through that direct experience. Second is as a witness, if you saw something traumatic happen. Third is learning that it happened to someone else, which is really interesting because, I mean, before this, before learning more about PTSD, in the past recent months, I didn't know that you could get PTSD from like hearing something happen to someone else, which I think is really interesting. And the last one here is exposure exposure to aversive details. So hearing uh, like there was too much. A good example of this is like after 9-11, mm. the constant yeah. reruns of people yeah. watching the um, planes at the towers or hearing about it in the news or reading about it in the papers and hearing about the terrifying stories like across yeah. the country in different places. That's how number four would kind of apply that. Um, just too much exposure to details of a traumatic, traumatic event can yeah. cause PTSD, which is yeah. crazy. It, yeah, it is really crazy. It's a good example there. And so three and four are kind of tied together, learning that it happened to someone else, and then uh, exposure to aversive details. I think number three is more focused on learning that it happened to someone you know. Yeah, like a and loved one. Yeah, yeah, like a loved and close one. Uh, that's far more likely to develop PTSD through that. Because if it's just a random person, then... Really, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, very unlikely. Not saying impossible, but it's more likely to occur when it's someone that's close to you or someone, someone you know. Probably like a spouse, child, things like that. Yeah. But, I mean, Enoch touched on this, but one thing we wanted to know is that not everyone who experiences trauma will develop PTSD. Like mm. two, let's say two buddies go to war, they experience the same type of things. Um, one will develop PTSD, one won't. Like not statistically, but that could. That's the kind of the what we're trying to say here is that not everyone develops PTSD based off of a traumatic event. But another thing to remember is that anyone can develop PTSD, and it can develop from almost any kind of trauma. It doesn't have to be any specific type. Like the big one, big one we keep saying is is war veterans. But it doesn't have to just be that. It can be anything from sexual assault to a car crash to like a, even a divorce. Like the traumatic events of right. a divorce. It could be so many different things, and so. We don't want to limit that. If you feel like you have PTSD yeah. symptoms over something that doesn't seem like you could get PTSD from, yeah, maybe you do. And let's maybe look into that a little bit more. Yeah, because like we've said several times a lot, actually, on this on the podcast, is that we're all so different. We're all so unique. And we can experience the same thing. Like Austin and I can record this podcast and have different experiences because we're all just so different. And there's so many things that uh, we've all experienced differently, like in our childhoods our birth orders, our DNA, 
whatever it is, there's so many factors that play into that. And so like Austin said, again, don't, don't feel bad because you develop PTSD over something that doesn't, might not seem as grandiose or as bad in quotation marks than, you know, another person who has PTSD because something that might not be bad for you or someone else might be really bad for you just in the way you experience it. Yeah. Great. So now just going into the symptoms here. Um, so we've kind of broken this up into four different areas that it can affect four different subcategories, I guess. Yeah. And this comes from an article by, um, through psychotherapyacademy.org. And again, this will be linked down below if you want to read that whole article. I really highly recommend it. It's great. And you can learn, go more into detail with all of these subcategories of uh, these symptoms. Great. So number one here, um, for one of the four areas it can affect is trauma. Um, I guess, what did the article say on that? Like, maybe you could elaborate on that since you kind of pulled from that one. Yeah. So, I mean, the, so there are four, the four different kinds here, trauma, intrusion, intrusion, avoidance, and cognitions. And so the first one, if trauma is the symptom is, uh, or the main, the symptom is really the thing that started it in a sense. Does that make sense? So oh, like so like the is the event ways, itself. Yeah, the event okay. itself. So the four ways of trauma that we just talked about, direct, direct experience, witness, learning it happened, and exposure, that is one of the symptoms. Because okay. if those things happen to you, I mean, with PTSD, those things have to happen in order to, in order PTSD. to develop PTSD in the first place. So, yeah. so that's number one. The actual event is the, is a symptom. Um, you actually had a thing that caused it. Like we said earlier, it's the only anxiety disorder that has an external force that causes the disorder itself um, yeah. or the anxiety disorder itself. And yeah. so, yeah, the first symptom is the traumatic event itself. Yeah. The second here is intrusion. So intrusion as in like invading, if you think about it that way, invading your mind, intrusion. So things like distressing, distressing memories. And these are kind of the things that I think people think of the most when they think of PTSD are distressing memories, nightmares, flashbacks, intense psychological distress, and psychological reactions. And we've talked about most of those in all of our, in some past episodes, but so intrusion mainly into your, your thoughts, your brain, things that you can't really control. A lot of imagery. Yep. Um, the third area that it affects is a lot of avoidance. Um, you start to avoid thinking or talking about the traumatic event. You just avoid it at all costs in your conversations or even just your thinking about it. Um, you'll avoid external reminders. And so for someone, let's say, um, let's say you have a, you got in a car accident in a certain part of a city at a mm. certain intersection, you'll yeah. avoid that intersection because of what happened at that intersection. Yeah. And so you'll avoid um, external reminders. Another, like a symptom in this subcategory is the inability to remember important parts of the trauma and the inability to experience positive emotions. And so the part that I thought was interesting is the inability to remember important parts of the trauma. That's either through subconscious suppression, your brain trying to like hide these things because it's causing mm -hmm. a lot of negative emotion, or you willingly and knowingly suppressing these emotions and just trying to forget them and not fully processing them, which leads to more symptoms of PTSD. So overall avoidance and suppression of thoughts about the traumatic event. Yeah. And that one really does fascinate me because 
most of these, a lot of these are your, is simply your brain trying to protect you, especially with avoidance. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is when you go through these traumatic events, your brain can literally like start to shut off certain areas so you don't remember it on purpose mm -hmm. to protect you. And I think that's a really uh, beautiful part of the brain is, I mean, a lot of the times it's not fun uh, dealing with your silly brain and dealing with all the things it does to try and keep you alive. But in this instance, I think that is, it's such a cool way of protecting you. And it can be really helpful because most, I would imagine most people that go through these events don't want to remember them anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Who wants to, <laughs> yeah. who wants to experience these things? Right. So, yeah. The last one here is cognitions and mood. So you have persistent, disordered, distorted blame or of self. So you blame yourself for what happened. And this is, again, I think the keyword, key words here, persistent and distorted. And so they're very persistent. They come up a lot, but they're not really quite what happened. So persistent, distorted blame of yourself or others and negative emotion. You have an, a negative emotional state. Perfect. Yeah. Right, so those are the four areas that affects through symptoms and now going into the risk factors and uh, there's many risk factors that go into this. We kind of chose some of the most important ones, but uh, first couple here, um, first one is having first risk factor is having had experienced other previous traumatic events. And so mm. like, let's say you've just had a life full of different types of traumatic events. You have one more traumatic event. And that you start to develop PTSD because of all the traumatic events kind of stacked up on top of each other. That's a huge risk factor. That's from what I've read in the articles that you can read yourself. That's one of the, the biggest causes, biggest reasons. And along with that, of course, is a history of abuse, either sexual, physical, or emotional, emotional different yeah. types of abuse. If you have that history, which in and of themselves are traumatic events. And so that's why those two are kind of linked together. Um, over time, those can just make you more vulnerable to developing these um, these symptoms or this, I guess this disorder of PTSD. Yeah. And some of the next are family history of depression or PTSD. Um, that, that can play, I think family history is a really big part in almost every single like psychological disorder. It's a risk factor in everyone. Yeah. yeah. If you have a family history of it. So if you have a history of depression or PTSD and then you have substance abuse if even if you've had a history of substance abuse that can affect your future as far as you know being more susceptible to developing PTSD when you do uh, experience that traumatic event mm -hmm. so drug and alcohol use and misuse can lead to a decreased ability to manage stress and therefore decreased ability to manage trauma which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And with any, you look at any study on the effects that drugs and alcohol, especially um, like the ones people use to self-medicate with when it comes to drugs over time, it, like I guess short term, it gets rid of those, un those negative unpleasant feelings. That's why you get a lot of war veterans, especially that um, become alcoholics is because they're just trying to suppress those memories. Yeah. Um, but as they I do that, them. I mean, I really don't blame them. I'd probably in the same case, cause that's a lot of hard things to deal with. But what's that, what that's doing is decreasing your own ability to cope with the stress and mm. cope with the trauma, which is if you're doing that before you experience the traumatic event, where you just have this, I guess, neural pathway of turning to alcohol and drugs to help you cope with your emotions. When that traumatic event comes, you're going to have a way harder time processing it. Yeah. And, um, 
getting through it, I guess. So yeah. that's where that kind of comes in. So the next two here, first one, just overall poor coping skills, which of course can come from substance abuse, but um, you can be taught poor coping skills from your parents or from mm -hmm. friends, family, whatever it is. So if you just have an overall lack of coping skills or were taught poor coping skills, this can lead to a mismanage. It can lead to mismanaged trauma and then can lead to even blaming oneself for the trauma because you don't know how to handle it correctly and thinking to yourself, you, you shouldn't have this problem because you don't know how to handle it. So just overall poor coping skills. And then a big one, pretty obvious though, um, is a lack of support from family, friends, and community. Mm. Like if you go through a traumatic event, let's say you are a victim of a sexual assault and you don't get that support you need from your family, friends, or let's say like the police or whatever it is, um, you're going to feel lost and lonely and your brain's going to turn to fight or flight mode and develop put those yeah. memories straight into the fear center because you went all through that by yourself and you didn't get the support you need to overcome it. So that's a huge factor there. The last one here is ongoing stress. And I mean, like we've talked about, and Austin said it perfectly, once it builds on top of each other, I mean, eventually you, it, that kind of goes with, with uh, the first one, having experienced previous traumatic events. Mm -hmm. And if you have ongoing stress, like if work is stressing you out, your family's stressing you out, just life in general is stressing you out, then you experience that traumatic event and that could be, the event that just makes you snap and you develop PTSD. Like it could be a, I don't know, like a harmless, I don't want to say harmless, but like it's a person who doesn't have as much stress in life experiences that event, but doesn't develop PTSD because they weren't as stressed as you. But since you were yeah. so stressed and you had overall psychological problems, insert traumatic event, you're just not going to be able to cope with it. And then you develop PTSD. So, right. Yeah. So those are, the main risk factors that we chose to talk about, of course, there are many more, but that's for you to read for yourself. Go to the articles. Now we're going to move on to diagnosis. This is very simple. So PTSD is categorized according to when symptoms occur and how long they last. There are three types of PTSD. There are, on top of what we talked about, acute symptoms uh, last between one to three months after the event, chronic these symptoms last more than three months after the event and delayed onset, which these symptoms don't appear until at least six months after the event. And so you need to have those symptoms that we talked about and then these different kinds of, uh, of course, that's why seeing professionals important mm -hmm, because exactly. they will um, be able to put you in the correct category and you'll be able to receive the correct help that you need. Yeah, exactly. It's very important, especially for PTSD, to seek professional help. We're going to say this every time in every single episode of the series that professional help, the diagnosis is so important because you cannot diagnose yourself by reading one of these articles or listening to this podcast. Unfortunate. These, unfortunately, yeah, we can't <laughs> diagnose you, mainly because we're over the, if we can't see, we don't know your problems, and also we're not even licensed yet. And so even if we were, we wouldn't be able to. Yeah. So it's very important you reach out to a specialist and get diagnosed correctly so you can be treated correctly and receive treatment for your specific needs. And speaking of treatment, let's get into that now. Let's do it. Of course, there's medications to treat for symptoms, and we always chime on this every single episode, but PTSD is more so important that you seek therapy because all you're going to do with medication is treat symptoms. And because it's really important with PTSD that you process the memories correctly 
and gain a better relationship to your traumatic memories. Hmm. And medication is not going to do that. All it will yeah. do is raise your emotional baseline and help you alleviate some of the symptoms, which is an important process in healing. Um, it's you might need medications for a certain amount of time for even to even get out of bed yeah. to go to therapy. And yeah. so it's that's an important part of the PTS healing process. It is just such a small part of it, I guess, when it comes yeah. to actually healing. So via medications, SSRIs, different types of anxiety relieving medications. Yeah. And then, of course, like we've said, therapy is just king when it comes to dealing with PTSD instead of uh, medications. I'm sure most people know that. Most of you probably know that. Um, And the specific therapy that we want to talk about is EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Processing. Now, you might be saying, oh my gosh, that's weird. What is that? What kind of hypnotherapy? <laughs> hippie stuff Hypno- is that? Yeah, hippie stuff, man. But simply put, EMDR is a type of therapy with an eight-step process in which the individual is asked to recall traumatic images, while the therapist creates a sensory input such as a side-to-side eye movement or hand tapping. Again, there are different uh, different ways of doing EMDR. Each therapist has their own style that they prefer, but some of the most popular two is the side-to-side eye movement and the hand tapping. Yeah, and that might sound weird, and it does, yeah. honestly, even to me now, knowing yeah. about it, it is really kind of, it's weird, but it works, and it works very well. Countless studies have been done. It's been proven to work. And so, and it does this by basically facilitating um, the accessing and processing of the traumatic memories and other adverse life experience to these to find an adaptive solution. And this happens through essentially relieving and reprocessing the memory through the higher functioning part of the brain rather than the emotional and fear parts of the brain. So the, the eye movement, the, the sensory input is basically a way to shut off the emotional part of the brain. And in its simplest terms, that's basically what it's doing. It's shutting off the emotional part of the brain, recalling the memories and letting them get processed through those higher functioning parts of the brain to be, to be processed by a not-so-fear-based, stress-based part of the brain. It's just going to see the memories as they are and allow you to create a better relationship to them. And so you do those sensory inputs, tapping, eye movement, audio input, I guess, audio um, stimulus. Vibrations. Vibrations is a big yeah. one. It, just to stimulate your senses and that... <laughs> chew five gum, stimulate your senses. You won't chew five <laughs> gum. Maybe you will. But it, to stimulate your senses enough to where... It kind of turns on that higher functioning part of the brain, shuts off the lower functioning emotional part. And as you're doing that, you then relive the most traumatic parts of the memory talking to the therapist. It's kind of the therapist, he or she will guide you through it. Exactly. Yeah. And you relive them in a, relive and process them in a healthy way instead of unhealthy way, which is the way you did it in the first time you went through the event. Yeah. Not, not your fault. It's just the way it happened. Mm-hmm. And that's normal. That's okay. Yeah, because there, yeah, there are better ways to process traumatic events. And the way the brain does it, a lot of the times, it tries, but it's yeah. not the very not the greatest. It's wired to process those memories through the amygdala, which is the fear-based stress response, emotional, because it's like we talked about a hundred times before on the podcast, and especially the series. It the brain's goal is to keep you alive, and it its idea or its theory is that by memory remembering these memories 
through stressful mm-hmm. emotional memories, mm-hmm. you will avoid them and it will happen again. So therefore you live longer and you survive. Yeah. Exactly. And um, that is good for survival, but it's not good for mental health. It's not and good well-being. for living. It's not good. For, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's good for survival and not mm-hmm. living. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And so by let, allowing ourselves to process it through the higher functioning, we can, like I said earlier, create that better relationship with the memory and not relive it every time we get a trigger. Yeah. And so it's really just a way to reprocess. Like it's in the name. EMDR is a way for you to reprocess your traumatic memories so they don't bug you as much anymore. Yeah. It's really all it is. And it's particularly used for PTSD mm-hmm. and trauma. That's it was that's what it was um, developed for. The, yep. the initial research <laughs> initial research was done in um in hopes to help with um I believe it was just war veterans. I think that's what it was mm-hmm. originally was to help with the PTSD experienced by war veterans. And since then, I think the original studies were done in the late 80s. Yeah, I was going to say like 1980s, so it's fairly new. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, especially in the grand scheme of psychology, it's a just like acceptance and commitment therapy, the thing that we both yeah. love. It's generally new, and it was created around the same time. And so, and it's been through countless studies and um, shown to be effective. And starting to um, gain a lot of more traction, too, yeah. as, as time goes on. Yeah, and it's not just something that a person can start doing. Um, it to be officially certified to be a EMDR clinician is what is a 50 hour course uh, yeah, online it's like course 50 hours in uh, nine months, a nine month period of like being observed doing yeah, like basically being in a practicum residency. Yeah, I don't, I don't fully know the whole, the whole deal of that, but yeah, but it's, kind it's, of... it's a, it's a certification. It's a legit thing. You have to be learn how to do it. And then um, it's just like any other specification or speciality in yeah. therapy you have to learn how to do it properly and you become a certified EMDR therapist. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, that sounds pretty good to me. I want to try it out. Like I have some PTSD I want to work through. Yeah. We're going to link a website or the, we, the article we read from it's EMDR.com. Very aptly named, <laughs> um, at the very top of the, that at least on the mobile version on the very top of that website, there is a find a clinician button. From my understanding, you could click or touch that, press it. And you input your information and it'll find a certified EMDR therapist in your area that you can go to and start working through your uh, traumatic events. It's a really cool tool, actually. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you learned something new about PTSD today. I know we did. I definitely did. Creating this episode and it's been a lot of fun doing that. But another reminder to when you use the phrase, the term uh, PTSD, just be aware that there are those that really do struggle with PTSD and it can affect their life tremendously. And so this is just another gentle reminder to watch your language, <laughs> watch your language and just care for people and mm-hmm. realize that every single person is going through something that you have no idea about. And they're going through their own like micro traumas in a sense in their life. And yeah, it may not be PTSD, but they're each, they each have their own thing in their life that is causing distress. Yeah, And exactly. so watch your language, be nice, and all will be well. Always be aware <laughs> of what could be going on because you know what you're dealing with and it's very likely that every person you pass on the street is going through an equally or harder thing in their life that's causing just as much stress for you as it is for them or for them that is for you. We all have our things like Enoch said, so... This is your daily reminder from the What About Therapy Boys. <laughs> I guess your weekly reminder. Weekly reminder, yeah, not daily. There Unless you, you listen to this daily, which would be awesome. Hey, um, that'd be but cool. Yeah. Bump up our views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do that. <laughs> no, 
you have other things to do. But yeah, it's a good reminder. Just be kind. Kindness will change the world, honestly. It's as simple as yeah, that. It's great. Mm-hmm. So again, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, you're just amazing. Please, it would mean the world to us if you would leave a five-star review. Yes, it would. On uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google, Google Cast. Yep, Amazon. Not, yeah, you don't have to leave them on all of them yourself. Just whatever one whatever you listen you on. <laughs> yeah, if you're on YouTube. Yeah, we're also like, on subscribe. YouTube. Um, I forgot to mention, and we'll probably mention this in our uh, main series on Tuesdays, but we have stopped videos as of now for YouTube just because that's not something that we, I guess, necessarily... Most of our listeners are about, on audio only, yeah, yeah, basically. audio only. And so. so there's... If you really love the videos, I'm sorry. But, Can't see our faces anymore. <laughs> I know sad but you can also follow us on instagram and we'll we share reels there some videos quotes at what about therapy on instagram not on facebook unfortunately but instagram seems to be king nowadays it's also a good way to reach out to us if you have ideas for an episode or want to talk to us have questions yeah want to share a story we love that stuff we don't really get much of it and we'd love it (laughs) if you do so yeah and again leave a review you can if you say something nice say we'll read it on the podcast just for you Exactly. And yeah. Anyways, great. you're you all of you. We love you all. You're the OGs if you made it this far. You're great. You're amazing. And have a good week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. See you guys. What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? Yeah. What about what about therapy? What about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy?